Yellow friends and listeners, Raya here, Lebanese, helpless millennial, and obsessed with learning about shit that makes me smarter, or at least sound it. Smart But Dumb is a pod where I bring my friends on who are smarter than me to tell me something I don't know. Every episode, I'll bring on a friend of mine who is thriving and super knowledgeable about a topic that I know absolutely nothing about but wish I did. Episodes come out every Wednesday and Friday, so hit subscribe on Smart But Dumb on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to help the pod get out there. You can also follow all podcast updates on Instagram at smartbutdumbpod. So this week, I asked the Instagram followers and my other friends what questions they wanted asked on this ActTech episode. So thank you so much to all of you who submitted. And honestly, it made me feel a whole lot better when I saw that we were all essentially asking the same question. What the fuck is AgTech? AgTech, as it turns out, has always been a huge part of our lives, and I just didn't even know there was a name for it. And I definitely underestimated its magnitude, because did you know that 10 dairy cows consume the same energy as one North American household? So to tell me what the fuck AgTech really is, I brought on Hamad, who is a great guy that I've known literally since forever, and he is super smart. He's a history whiz, political science whiz, and graduate, has a journalism degree, and another degree in public policy, has a super impressive resume with stints at GE, KPMG, and is now working in AgTech, which, as it turns out, by the way, is the intersection of agriculture and technology, if you didn't get that. He co-founded Raker, a company that helps farmers grow the best farms possible by identifying various opportunities to reduce farming costs. In this episode, he tells me more about the agriculture industry and the implications and hurdles that farmers are facing more and more and that are still left unknown to most of us, and also tells me about the things he's doing to help address these things. I hope you enjoyed this episode on AgTech, and I hope you enjoy saying AgTech as much as I do. Let's get to it. Hello. Hey, how are you? How are, how are you, Mo? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I I miss complain. you so much. I miss you too. I really do. And I oh. never felt more far away from you than I do right now. I know. I'm in Toronto and you're in Paris. So, I mean, I mean. <laughs> and add, add a uh, pandemic to that and we're even more miles apart. I know. What is this? What, what have we done to each other? Honestly. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you and I have nothing to do with it, but I, I do, uh, I, f- I feel the repercussions for sure. Oh, me too. You know, actually, it, the, the, I don't want to sound too dark right now, but I really feel <laughs> like the war of 2006 trained me for this, just because you're like always indoors. And like, I remember- You're talking, I'm, I'm interrupting you because I'm going to already jump in and say you're talking about the 2006 war in Lebanon so yes, we, uh, yes. So our listeners sorry, know. sorry. Uh, we, have, we have international listeners sorry about that yeah. uh, so like basically I I was trained for this by my older sister who basically decided that we needed to watch the Gilmore Girls all seasons and I, I never, agree with that strategy that was torture for me okay like <laughs> I feel like I've been trained well for this situation, you know? (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, 
especially like flashback to 2006 I'm sure you must have like watched all the seasons more than once oh so, yeah and then and then we went on to friends and that was just equally as horrific so <laughs> we're not we're, we won't go there as to how our taste in tv differ however you and i were talking about how i think it's crucial that everybody watch charles barkley the famous basketball player any kind of video you can get your hands on uh Seriously. watch him on shark tank see listen to him on a podcast anything anybody can do and they won't be sorry so I think that might help you. And, and the best part is it's free. You can just go on YouTube. You don't need anything yeah, else. Exactly. <laughs> no exactly. <Disney> Plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm so excited to have you on because, first of all, you have a great voice for uh, radio, which in oh 2020, God. it's pod- it means podcast. Stop um, it. <laughs> and, you are, uh, I've always been in awe of how smart you are. And I think we're going to talk about something that really nobody I know knows anything about. <laughs> and I think you're doing something that's really cool. And uh, it's the insiders called Ag Tech. Yeah. So before we get into the description of what that is and what it is that you're up to other than watching Netflix is... If you could maybe give a little bit of background of where you're from, what you studied, sure. and then what let you led you to the ag tech world, and then we'll dive right into that. All right, um, this is a it's a bit of a messy story. Uh, I'm not going to be too Middle Eastern about this and start in like the the 11th century as like every <laughs> history book does, but I'll try my best to do like the last decade. Um, <laughs> So, you are uh, an avid historian. Oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy my history books. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, my name is Mohammed Yagi, uh, and uh, I pronounce it like an American just because that's how people understand my name then. And... Oh, I mean, I feel you. I'm 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 Raya, and you don't know me as a Raya. Mohammed. So... <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, just a little bit about myself. I am Lebanese Canadian. Uh, I've grown up you know in a lot of different countries around the world so uh, yeah we ray and i have known each other since childhood so uh, yes. it's really nice to be talking to raya right now uh, <laughs> so many years later um and um yeah so i i did my undergraduate degree at the american university of beirut um i think it is one of the best universities in the world i'm not biased at all um <laughs> i i do have to say not that, at all not at all it's just it's just a tad bit biased whatever <laughs> uh and then i went on to do a degree in uh so i did a political studies degree at the american university of beirut i went on to columbia university and did a degree in journalism because i really wanted a career in journalism because of the salary you just get paid so much you know yeah i heard i <laughs> Heard, like basically a... peanuts like <laughs> pity is pity is your salary in journalism i think <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and I went on to Toronto where I did another master's at the University of Toronto in, in public policy. So from then on, I went on to work at General Electric as a policy advisor in their energy regulatory space. Um, and I worked at KPMG as a data analytics consultant. Now you might be wondering, how does agriculture all play into this? Well, great question. Uh, <laughs> um, my, my, my family's always been in agriculture. I've always had, uh, you know, my father worked in agriculture for almost four decades now. So I've always had a taste of that business. I, you know, my first job was actually working with him. So um, I have, you know, experience working in that space. So I really feel that the company I launched with my business partner, his name is Ritwish Dabashri. And the funny thing about Ritwish is that um, when he tells you his name, you just have no idea how to spell it. Uh, in a I was going to say, I'm like, I was going to say, I'm sorry, we have to interject as to how you have two business partners with two incredibly difficult names i know to say we're and, just trying i to mean scare, yours, yours is we're just trying to scare <laughs> investors it's like <laughs> 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 we're, we're trying to be as diverse as possible so <laughs> I, well That's, your your diversity quota is checked off from the beginning. too much diversity uh <laughs> you can you can wire hire as many white men as you want <laughs> No. <laughs> we <have> free pass. <laughs> but um but yeah so you know him and i actually met at journalism school and he does have like a computer science background so it so i guess breaker the company we launched together uh and if you're wondering what breaker means it's basically you know we're, we're rake and we're raking in information so that's how raker came into being okay uh, not a lot of people that's get cool. it they don't like it but it's okay uh whatever hey, i we, know we, we don't care about the haters i know right let's, let's be tay tay okay and just be like <laughs> <laughs> uh the haters gonna hate yeah so um, yeah haters gonna hate yeah so uh yeah so then I, we launched raker and we are an ag tech company and would you like me to tell everyone um, what it's all about I'm or just gonna, wait yes, a bit later I think we should first, before we get to that, just describe what ag tech is, so agriculture technology, and what, uh, let's say, what solutions are in this space and what they're trying to address, and then uh, what you're trying to address specifically. Cool, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just like a broad definition of what ag tech is. Um, Ag tech is just really basically the intersection of agriculture and technology. And that might seem really broad when you start talking about it, but you know, ag tech really encompasses the broad supply chain of agriculture. So it comes from you know, the farmer planting a crop all the way to the food in your grocery aisles. Um, so ag tech really encompasses that whole supply chain. We focus on the farming aspect at Rigor, and I'll go into a bit about that in a bit. Um, but, you know, it's funny because AgTech is a, a, a unique space just because it's not like a recent invention. It's not like Facebook or, um, uh, you know, an entertainment media like Netflix. Um, AgTech has been the reason humanity has been able to have civilizations for so many years. So when you say AgTech, it really depends on where you're at in time. Um, I mean, we started. Okay. So like that's interesting because that's not something it's not a word that we that we heard a lot, I feel, or unless- Yeah, I'm like we didn't call it- Some kind of a rock. But like, you know, yeah, exactly. We didn't call it like a hoe and rake, like ag tech. But at the time, yeah. I was like, <laughs> whoa, like ag tech. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like- I think it's a millennial thing to just label things to make us sound exactly. smarter. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like we've all, like agriculture has always been um, 
in any age at the forefront of technological development. So, I mean, from okay. the time we made a rake and hoe uh, to, you know, crop rotation um, that started in the Middle Ages uh, that helped feed Europe. And for the view listeners who don't know exactly what crop rotation is, it's really an innovative system where you replant different crops every year to keep your soil healthy. So let's say one year uh, in the US at least, it's a big thing where you just grow corn on your field because it sucks up a lot of nitrogen from your soil. And the next year you might plant soybeans uh, to basically replenish the soil with nitrogen just because it deposits a lot of nitrogen into soil. So that's like crop. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for answering the question that I'm sure a lot of people were thinking you're, are like embarrassed to ask. It's like, most, what's a crop rotation? Yeah, you're most welcome. And that's like the reason why, um, you know, agriculture has become such a big industry is because not only are we able to plant food, uh, but we're also able to understand the soil um, and how, you know, to keep it healthy and nutritious for the crops to keep on coming every year. Um, I understand. Yeah, and, then, and so what, yeah. what are you doing specifically? What does Raker do? that you know what are you offering to the space what kind where uh like you i know you mentioned that you focus on the farming aspect yeah. so if you could just go into a little sure bit more thing. Detail. so you know i, I want to talk a bit more about it later but basically raker is uh is growing better farms um by decreasing the cost of production uh, for farmers through innovative IoT solutions, uh, what we've done. Which means IoT is, is, is what? sorry, yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking that. IoT is is <laughs> is basically the Internet of Things, and it's when you encompass uh, when you basically enable objects to connect to the internet. So let's say, for instance, in cities, IoT would mean uh, putting a sensor on a garbage bin. Um, so when a truck comes to collect it, the sensor can track, you know, if that bit has been picked up. Um, okay. On a farm, that means um, a lot of many things. But what we're doing at Raker right now is using these this technology, the sensor technology, um, to basically measure electricity consumption in barns. And it's a big thing because um, in the U.S., uh, I mean, you might not think about it this way, but agriculture uses a ton of energy. Um, just the energy consumption of agriculture in the U.S. alone actually equates the entire energy consumption use of the entire nation of Mexico. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, farms, especially in North America, U.S. and Canada, they use so much electricity. Um, and I can get into the facts later, but this one fact that I'm going to keep on repeating is um, because we focus mainly in the dairy space right now, um, with our okay. device called the neat meter. Uh, and I'll explain more about the neat meter in a few seconds, but um, 10 dairy cows use as much electricity as one household uh, in North America. Which, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a massive amount of electricity. Um, so what we're doing at Raker right now is uh, using this machine that we've created called the neat meter. And we call it a neat meter because it's pretty neat. Once again, we have haters out there. Whatever. I don't care. I like the name. Uh, oh, whatever. I love <laughs> thank it. You're so like much. a date farm. You're getting to the yes, point. Yes, exactly. Getting... Right? People just don't appreciate a genius sometimes. No haters allowed. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, so <laughs> what the neat meter can do is it measures the amount of electricity that a barn consumes and its associated cost according to your utility or hydro provider. Um, secondly, from, you know, from a circuit breaker, your circuit breaker creates a lot of noise. So when we measure that electrical flow, we can actually detect 
these different noises. So every machine has its own electronic signature in a way when it consumes electricity. So what we can do is go back to that electronic signature and say, this machine was turned on at this time and we're able to track this machine's consumption of electricity throughout its use. So we can identify every machine and catalog every machine on a barn for a farmer. And from then on, we're able to detect, you know, we are able to perform predictive maintenance for those machines. And then... Okay, I was going to say, what does the data you extrapolate from these machines or, you know, about their energy yeah. usage? What, yeah, how do farmers so, use that, yeah. that so, to their advantage? So like, we perform predictive maintenance and we also identify energy hogs. So why is predictive maintenance such a big thing? Um, you know, we might not think about it, you know, in everyday life in the city or an urban setting, um, but machines are on farms, especially, are so expensive. Um, when a, some a new innovation called a robotic milker um, can cost, and that can milk basically one cow at a time uh, for a farm of a hundred cows, um, that machine alone costs two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And they're oh wow yeah, and they're super expensive to maintain. So throughout the duration of its lifetime, which is around 13 years, um, one machine can cost up to $10,000 a year in just maintenance alone. And this is just, that's yeah, crazy. that's just like maintenance in the sense of, uh, you know, like the, some electrician coming to fix it, you know, like just looking at the machine. And making sure it's right, right, right. Yeah. However, yeah, if you have like insane. unscheduled breakdowns, um, you not only, you know, it's not only about having to fix the machine, which will cost more than 15 thousand um, dollars you have interrupted production so you lose a lot of money on top of everything else you right. lose a whole day of milking and you don't want to let you know your the cows um, that are able to milk um, stay without milking because you, that backup can develop a, a few diseases so that's it's really a challenge for farmers to keep these machines that they desperately need to keep on going and this hasn't been made easier by um, you know our respective governments in North America because they made um, I mean firstly labor is really hard to find nowadays a lot of the workforce um, that are domestic uh, to the US and Canada uh, don't want to go onto farms a lot of uh, immigrants from let's say uh, other nations around the area like a lot of uh, let's say for instance Mexico uh, they get temporary visas to Canada and the US uh, but the US administration at the moment is making it really difficult to get these temporary immigrants into the US to perform these uh, farm jobs right um, just because they have the the current the current US administration is making it hard to do a lot of fucking yeah things. yeah I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct but yeah they they're they're, oh, they're an absolute nightmare yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there's no political correctness here this administration is making it a fucking nightmare to even watch oh i know i know dr bleach you know so um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so that's what we're really uh, that's what we're focusing on uh, at the moment at raker um but yeah okay so what uh so what is your when you pitch to farmers your technology yeah. What is the value proposition in the sense that what, how can they justify the cost of implementing your your technology? Is it because it's a one-time cost as opposed to, you know, the like you said, yeah. the the accumulation of maintenance and all that stuff? Like, is there something that I'm not that I didn't touch upon? Sure. Like, I want to. Yeah, sure no, that's, no, that's a great, yeah. fantastic question. You're so smart. Um, Thank you. I think it's just because you love me. Oh, no, no, you. no, no. Honestly. Um, so uh, <laughs> what 
farmers so basically right now in the u.s um the average farm will pay around a hundred thousand dollars for electricity and machine maintenance every year uh what we're doing is scaling that cost down and i can i, I and i can go into this much further but um basically what the there's many challenges that fit farmers are facing i mean apart from climate change um the fluctuating change in commodity prices right. uh, what they're facing is a huge increase in production costs um so it's not only about you know laborers and feed which is you know food to feed livestock for instance that's going to be the biggest cost for mm -hmm. farmers the you know other production costs like um you know electricity machine maintenance are only going up every year because they're adopting more machines and they're using more power in addition to that electricity prices across north america aren't really friendly to a lot of farmers so those prices are also increasing because you know, there's a lot of different projects that local governments have to work on. Let's say like building a hydro dam, that cost gets offset to the electricity payers. So right. it's a whole chain of events that happens. So ultimately what's been happening in agriculture across North America recently is that, you know, since 2011, um, you know, farmers really depend on commodity prices going in their favor to make a profit. So since 2011, commodity prices have decreased by 24%. Just, you know, when you sell a, a good to the market, it's based on these commodity prices and they go up and down depending on market demand. So this all, so commodity prices can change in instance uh, depending on global events. So for instance, um, right. let's say uh, corn right now is facing a lot of difficulty in the market right now because the price of crude has decreased and a lot of corn is used in mm. ethanol production. So if you're not purchasing fuel for your car, then there's not much need for ethanol as well. So there's an oversupply of the market of corn. And once again, you know, that the price decrease. So, but what farmers are facing year after year, especially in dairy is, you know, you can create less in one year and you can get paid, let's say, twelve dollars, uh, like eighteen dollars a hundred weight, which is the measurement used uh, when farmers sell dairy farmers sell their milk. Um, they could get paid eighteen dollars okay. per hundred weight, um, but produce less. So they could be making more one year by producing less, but in an all like the next year they could produce more, but actually get paid less overall just because the prices have dropped as we've seen recently. So it's went from $18 to $12. So, yeah. Right. So, so your technology also kind of helps. We, we track the production rates, but what we're really have to, have to focus okay. on is a lot of ag tech technology has really been focusing on, let us help you produce as much as humanly possible. And that's one way of going and that's fine. And that's, you know, that's, that's needed just because of global conditions, um, you know, and I can go right. into this other tangent about how, you know, the, the global food production is not supplying the, the, the food we need by the year 2050 for 9 billion people on the planet, considering that arable land is also decreasing because of climate change. We really need new ag tech technologies out there. The problem is, is that we're focusing too much on the production value and not too much on the farmer's end of, you know, they're increasing their production costs significantly. So since 2011, their production costs have increased by 11%, which is a lot. Um, so you're getting paid less for your commodities yeah. now, but you're paying more to produce those goods. So what we're helping farmers do 
the incentive also disappears with uh, with all of that too. What do you mean exactly? I would think that with your with your production costs going up, and the you selling your goods for let's say uh, not selling them for cheaper, but making less money off of them, you're less willing as a farmer to yeah produce exactly. That much. I mean, like if there's not much to i mean if yeah, exactly so like what there's no exactly to your point Rhea. like so smart once again um like <laughs> um like exactly why would he produce more if you're getting paid less for it as on top of it all you're paying so much for everything else it's just it, there's so many factors going against them and on top of it all um you know climate change isn't making things easier for farmers right now um, in fact it's making it really difficult i mean current weather changes in north america that as we've seen over the past year at least um you've seen like a lot of rain in you know the near illinois and that specific geographic area uh, and that's a really like a great place to grow corn um, and there was so much rain that whenever they planted seeds, the seeds would just go away with the rain because it would rain like every other day, uh, like like it would be like a monsoon. So the prices of corn just decreased then. Um, so it's it's really difficult for farmers nowadays, along with these additional challenges. Um, but what we're doing is helping them, you know, give them a fighting chance to make money at the end of the day by identifying ways to decrease their costs. And the NEAT meter is only the start of several solutions that we're doing to help farmers decrease those costs to help them increase their profits. Okay, great. So you're, you're helping them better their production output, their efficiency, their yeah, their like our, our, what we're fighting towards on dairy farms, uh, and we work with several dairy farmers in Idaho, um, is to reduce their cost by $20,000 because there are ways to reduce costs when it comes to electricity and machine maintenance. Because, you know, if you're able to predict when something bad is going to happen, you can avoid that altogether by doing a scheduled maintenance, which is much cheaper than an unscheduled one. Right. Right. And of course, implementing your technology uh you know let's say one once or at the beginning at least is is way cheaper than having to deal with these yearly uh, yeah. costs of maintenance and on and yeah exactly and the really fascinating thing is is when you jump into a project like this um sometimes uh, like this is, has been become our company's favorite saying is sometimes you don't know what you don't know um and you'll see <laughs> love it that is the most international school phrase I've ever heard in my life. I mean, and we've adopted it because like you'll look at the data, you're like, oh my God, I can actually use this data that we're seeing right now. We see like a water pump is on for no reason. Um, but we could, at the same time, because we can identify and catalog all these different machines, we can actually identify how much water they're actually using. Um, and it, yeah, and That's like really you know, along with that, it's looking at you know how a farm operates. Is there a way like to see if a, if the, if the workers on a farm can be much more productive? Um, and I hate to say this, but like you know, the, this is where the whole philosophy of lean management comes in. Then, so farmers, and I, I actually hate <laughs> lean management, but I mean, it's like <laughs> the concept there. I was gonna trigger. I know, word, I know, trigger it's such a trigger word. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, but you know, farmers are able to see their operations before they weren't, 
and for an industry that is so important and vital to our, you know, our global economy, they didn't really have these tools before. There are farmers who are investing the resources to get these tools, but there are a lot of problems still. And do you mind if I list a few of them out? So, of course, I was going to so, ask you to do that. Oh so you God. just predicted oh my, God, Ray, my you're question. So smart. <laughs> I just I essentially called you on here Basically, to tell that's, me that's how what smart I'm doing. you think I am. So you've uh, so you've done welcome. that job perfectly. <laughs> it's you. so easy for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, so like the problems that farmers face when it comes to um, to ag tech solutions is the following. Like first off, um, you know it's not accessible to every farm. You know some precision ag, you know technology requires. Um, how do I say it? Like if you're growing a specific type of crop, some precision ag technologies, and that's this is under the guise of ag tech, uh, won't be able to function on your yeah. farm. Um, so if, like solutions can also be really expensive. Um, and if you if you look at these solutions, like okay. one um, company sells um, their data solutions where they take images, satellite images of your farm, and and using infrared technology, they can detect how well your crops are growing now that's that's we're gonna get the data in a sec banks financial institutions um you know wall street around the world you know london hong kong wherever you want have these teams on you know where they look at satellite imagery and these images are publicly available what they do is use this infrared technology and sometimes and this can be an invasion of privacy but some companies are selling the service to farmers um, to actually measure how much their crops are going every year um, and the problem with that is first off it's expensive and it can be too slow now when you look at like their solutions like one solution costs let's say a dollar 25 an acre um, but if you're like the average farm size, at least in you know in ca central Canada, for instance, um, is 1,450 acres. So you're basically paying like around like $1,812 a month um, just to have the solution uh, provided to you every day. So it, this, these these bills just keep piling up. Um, you know, in addition to that. Yeah, a lot of other new ag tech companies don't consider the fact that sometimes farmers want to use their older equipment. So they've had this motor running for the last 50 years and it works fine. Then there is like the, another uh, look at it, like, you know, farmers can, can't pay, to, let's say, for new machinery. They can't pay upfront for new machines. So they're going to pay by installments. By the time they finish these installments, they want to use the machine for the rest of its life. But you have these new companies coming in saying, forget about that machine that costs you $500,000. Use our machine. It's so much better. And it's like, no, I, I'm... I've just like put up the mortgage of two of Basically, my houses. Basically, exactly. And machine. in addition to that, it's something that people don't really consider is that there is poor communication infrastructure across rural America. It's a huge problem. Um, so like, if people who live in rural areas sometimes really need a stroke of luck to get access to the internet. Um, a lot of school children who live in these rural areas still have to go to the parking lot of their schools to get access to the internet. Um, they, you know, th uh, some new programs uh, by, you know, local municipalities have school buses that are parked at strategic locations with these Wi-Fi modems so that people can actually that's insane to me that you are talking about. I mean, about like, the they can't States get right masks. Now. So, I mean, like, I'm not surprised. I don't want to be insulting, but, like, <laughs> holy hell. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, like, yeah, I bet, so but it's still a huge problem. And the U.S. is so big. So Verizon, 
you know, can get to you sometimes. <laughs> as much as they say they do. Um, uh, what, and, the other, and there's a, another big thing that's happening too. So two of the last things. So you touched upon one early, which is data privacy. Um, the last, another one is um, something called the right to repair. Um, and it's become a, a tenuous issue in states like Nebraska, for instance. Um, so new tractors that are being you know, built by companies like John Deere um, cost around, actually guess the number, how much a new tractor with all its gadgets costs the average farmer nowadays. Take a wild guess. Oh my God. Uh, I know that whatever I'm going to guess is too well, low. Should I don't have should no have number. Who cares? Tractor costs. Like, I would have said like 30K. 30K. I mean, that's what, okay. That's, I want to get back to 30K in a second. Um, but the average farmer, like the, like the tractor from John Deere with all his gadgets costs around 800. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Like you're asking someone who lives yeah. in Lebanon how much a tractor costs. Like I was thinking about yeah. very basic So these, these new tractors have, like, all have like autopilot and stuff like that. It costs a farmer $800,000 to buy one of these tractors nowadays. Easy. But the issue with it is that if your tractor breaks down, a farmer doesn't have the right to fix their tractor anymore because um, if they try to tinker with the software, it is a proprietary thing for John Deere. So immediately all their That's warranty is gone because they try to tinker <laughs> with the machine. And these small, like sometimes um, a leaf can block a sensor and you're out in the field, stuff is going to happen. Um, so you know, it's, it's, they don't have, they, they're not able to fix these machines anymore unless they're able to a hack them or which means they lose warranty on the tractor or they have to call in a specialized repair person. Right. Some, and wait for someone, you know, some, to, guy, some person to, to come to the to farm. It's going to take five days and they'll be like, sorry, it was just a leaf. And they'll be like, Oh, I paid $500 for this person to come onto my farm. And um, so you have all these issues that are really blocking the development of ag tech technologies. Um, what we're doing at Rager, uh, because mm -hmm. we're, we're edgy and we're cool and we understand the market really well. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, say it. Say it how it is, exactly. We're it telling the haters. Like um, what we're doing right now is, uh, you know, at least with data <laughs> privacy, um, the farmers we've spoken to have, you know, they're actually really, they actually know a lot. Um, when it comes to, you know, data use, like one guy was telling me about how he uses Python. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I wouldn't expect you, a dairy farmer, to oh, tell me about Python. But that's um, crazy. But he like he's very familiar with it. And what's happening now is that a lot of these companies that are selling these new solutions sell their data to the highest bidder, which I think is wrong. So what we're doing at Raker is actually we have our, our peer, our tier structure our subscription structure um, because, you know, in addition to the services we provide, we're providing more solutions to farmers in the future. Um, let's say like optimization strategies to help them increase their productivity. So it's a continuous uh, thing that we work with farmers. So every farmer we work with, uh, we try to find the best solutions for them. But what, so, but what we've, what we're doing right now is we have a tiered structure based on how much, data we're able to use. So, you know, a lot of the data that is coming out from these farms can be used by a lot of different stakeholders across agriculture. But what we want to do is make sure that farmers have a say when it comes to that. So um, farmers who are interested in releasing a lot of their data 
get a specific price. So that's $99.99. When it comes to, you know, if they're not really comfortable with sharing their data to third parties, we give them that option too, um, but we increase the fee. I think you're touching upon something that's very interesting because I don't think that people would typically think of, you know, farming to do, to be anywhere close of the realm of data and data privacy and data ownership and access to data. So I think it's really interesting how you put that together and what you do, but I yeah, also and, want to- Yeah, and, and that's like, and that's what we, I think this is the new, the new age that we have to, to see. Like our data is, you know, even between you and I is not becoming a commodity and we have to treat it that way. Um, and I think more of us have to take it seriously, but it's, it's a really big issue for farmers, especially due to the fact that, you know, some companies use their data to actually price their land in a specific way. So if you want to rent out your land, which is a big thing across North America, like I can rent out my land to the farmer next door for a certain Mm -hmm. fee. They actually, based on all this data they've gotten from your farm, they're able to sell this data onto companies that can actually value your property at a specific level, which is, which is really crazy. If a farmer wants to do that, that's their prerogative. That's fine. So, so that's really what's been happening across Mm -hmm. ag tech recently. What do you think the current state of things and how we're going to move forward is going to hopefully do better for the kind of work that you're doing? Just a little bit of, you know, just some closing thoughts given the state Um, of I want to try to end on right a positive now. note. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. I, I, I do think yes. throughout this whole crisis, <laughs> you know, whether it's toilet paper or, um, you know, <laughs> or uh, I mean, I think people realize that, you know, as strong as, you know, you go to your, I mean, I guess earlier this year, you would go to your grocery store, you get everything you need um, and you wouldn't really have a second thought about it. And I think what this crisis has done is really open our eyes to the fact that our supply chain is strong, but it's it's still vulnerable, um, and I think what you know this crisis has done is open a lot of our eyes to the fact that you know there's a whole system in place um, that we need to take care of, and um, you know we should you know support the farmers who feed our communities as much as possible, um, and I do see a change in attitudes. So. I guess that's the positive spinoff from all of this, but um, I, I hope to be correct. I hope so too. I, I think that going off of what you said in the beginning, I think that this is going to really make everybody open their eyes about even something like their spending habits and where they want, what yeah. they choose to spend money on, where it comes from. So I think that, and one of the first things I think about is obviously what we choose to eat and you know what we choose to feed our families and so on. So I think that, and especially around everything that we're seeing now with the meat plants closing in the US, like because of the because of the pandemic, I just think it's something that we're thinking a lot about. And I, like you said, I think it's gonna be something yeah. that's not um, gonna be able to go on unnoticed anymore. One thing I really hope that this crisis does is convince vegans Do not it. to tell everyone that they're vegans um, because, <laughs> Every time I tell someone I'm doing, I have an ag tech company, they're like, oh, by the way, I'm vegan. I'm like, I don't know how we got there, but cool. I feel you. I think already independently of what you're doing, and I love, I love it. I think that vegans should not tell people that they're vegans. I don't know where it came from. I'm totally on board 
with the data behind it, but I don't know what it is about being vegan that <laughs> it's like you have to wear exactly. it, like but I mean all all power to them, you know? All all I'm power to hate, them. Like the vegans <laughs> listening. I was gonna say like I have nothing but respect. Like I currently cannot do that. Or I mean if I no, can is the wrong word. Choose not to. So yeah. like you said, <laughs> hats off to the vegans listening. But <laughs> on that note, Mo, two final things before I let you go. Where can people find sure. you and what you do on the internet? And please leave me with a great song that you think I should know or the listeners should know about. So you can find uh, Raker and the work we're doing on www.rakr.ca. Uh, we couldn't find a .com domain because someone purchased it, so we're still waiting. <laughs> someday, someday, someday. No way. Uh, we'll we'll wait this out with you. No way. It is CA, Canada. Canada. CA exactly. is totally and, um, and the legit. song that has been getting me through yeah, this, exactly. this this period of time is the Killer's new song called Caution, which I recommend to everyone. Ah, oh, love. You are you. You'll agree with Malini. She was on another episode. She suggested the same song, I and I think it's doing thank wonders you. these days. So Pleasure. love the suggestion, thank Mo. You. Thank you so so much. I really appreciate it. You are, you are the best. You are super <laughs> smart. Thank you for making me a little smarter and a lot less dumb, guys. Thank you. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Smart But Dumb on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcast and like spotify for example and if you like what you hear leave me a rating and check out the amazing work that he's doing on his website too, i will leave right? it in the show notes mo i bye. love you